Yep, hey, yep, hey. yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. It's a Max and Tony show. Uh, uh, my son is still busy raising me. Yes, yes, I am. Son. You know, there are very few uh, like father and son podcasts out there, I think. I think we're the only one. That would be no. unique, wouldn't it? <laughs> By the yeah. way, I'm excited yeah. because uh, my dear friend of 35 years. <laughs> 35 years. Rick Tellender is with us. A long and, time. Uh, Rick... If you he's he wrote Heaven is a Playground. He's written sports for the Sun Times and Sports Illustrated for the last half a century. And he is one of our finest sports writers. He's one of our finest writers, period. Yeah. And uh what most people don't know is he's also a visual artist. And at the age of sixty nine he is having his first one man show at Adventureland June first. Seven to ten. Seven to ten. Fifteen thirteen Northwestern. Fifteen thirteen. Plenty of parking, folks. Fifteen thirteen Northwestern. Western Blue Line. Uh, and we're being sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer, so there will be plenty of that. The beer is free. We yeah. are pet friendly. And I'm. Before we get into talking about uh, your artwork, I, I wanted to. Um, uh, kind of give people an idea of when and where you started as a writer, because uh, you, you've been one of my favorite sports writers since I was, you know, started to, to read you. And the first time I ever read you, I was still in high school, and you'd written an essay for Sports Illustrated after uh, you you had a you went to college on a football scholarship, mm-hmm. and you were drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. And you wrote an essay about being cut from the Chiefs, and it was just one of the greatest things I ever read. Tell me, tell me how that spun into a writing career. Wow. Well, thank you for all that. I, I feel I should stand up and take a bow. Thank you, Max. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Chris, no do we, Chris, do we have an applause track? Okay, drop one in later. Yeah, okay, play, play that one ever. Yeah. No, uh, thank you very much. Listen, it all started actually. When I was a child, and I read a book once I learned how to read. You know, I wasn't one of these prodigies where you could read at age two or anything like that. But my older sister, Marcy, was uh, has always been, she's a poet herself, lives in Crested Butte, lived there for three or four decades. I call her the fairy godmother of Crested Butte, Colorado. But she read constantly. My family had books everywhere. I had an older sister and a younger sister. Mm-hmm. TV was almost never on. You know, I mean, we had one, black and white. My parents were not fond of television either. My mother no. thought that it was intellectually lazy. Yeah. So she always made she sure right. that I had, I had books, anything I wanted to read. Yeah. She let Comic me re- books, anything. Didn't she matter. let me read The Graduate when I was in third grade. Wow. Because I heard there were sex parts in oh, it. Oh, yeah, man. I, I read the whole book, Hawaii, by James Mitchell when I was oh, pretty yeah. young, just looking for the sex thing. The thing was like a <laughs> Page thousand pages. Page 126 of The Godfather. Uh huh. Is that uh, that? I know. Sonny at the wedding, banging the bridesmaid up on on the wall. Yeah, exactly. Um, He was built too, as I recall. I yes, that was part of the deal. He was gifted. Uh, So um, you guys had book. You guys had to search for books. Unlike (laughs) us, we had to you know rewind and fast forward through the VHS tapes, which I guess is a little more rewarding than (laughs) than flipping through pages of books. We had to work for our porn. (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah. You had to use your imagination. At least we had some sort of visual aid. My mom let me read whatever I wanted. She was just happy that I was reading. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. Well, one important thing, we were walking home from school one time, and there was this big tunnel that went underneath the highway, Route 88, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, 
somebody had tossed some, a couple of porn things. Old old school. This is like in the 60s. Yeah. And somebody found it covered with mud and everything, and it was like, oh, my God. Somebody discovered like the Holy Grail. Gold. Yeah. We said, no, really? Like that? a pot of gold. Oh, yeah. it was incredible. So anyway, things have gotten a lot easier with the Internet. But I, I wanted to be a writer. I think guys used to throw out curtains of their old spank books once they got married or something. Or maybe, got I, maybe this guy was hiding them. You know, he... yeah. But they were they were badly soiled. He was probably the mayor of Peoria. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was one of the LaHoods. Was uh, and there's another LaHood who owned uh, Lou's Hot Lou LaHood Lou's Hot Dog Stand. I spent a fortune at that place working. I worked at the Peoria Cemetery. I worked at Max Andelik's Tree Nursery. You worked in a cemetery. I cut grass in a cemetery in high school. Did you? Yeah, Queen of Heaven. Yeah, it was awesome. At the Peoria Cemetery, the main one. Uh, was huge. There's a couple miles of roads, uh, rolling hills, and this buddy of mine, Bill Blair, and I would go there every morning. This is in the summer. We had in work boots, shorts, T-shirt, and we got rakes and shovels and stuff. We had a little Jeep and a trailer behind it, and he'd give us, the, the main guy would give us our orders. We'd go out, and our job was to to put up tombstones that had fallen over, some from his, way before the Civil War. Whoa. So we'd get way out there. We'd do a lot of work, and then we'd sit down in the grass in these rolling hills, and it was incredible. Just sit there and smoke cigarettes. And then this other guy, Fred Jackson, one time brought a, a, a fifth of, of uh, vodka. And so we're out there. there we, even had, we even took photos. We're on top of these tombstones. Abs- can I say shit? Yeah, yeah you yeah, say yeah, whatever the fuck you want. Absolutely shit-faced in the middle of the day, <laughs> and we're 16 years old. It's like, what is going on? Anyway, it was we worked really hard, but I would go and eat, spend all my money at Lou's hot dog stand. And I swear to God, Lou would see me, and I'd come in there, and I'd, just, I'd have five, six, ten hot dogs, and that's where it all started. Holy shit. And root beer on top of that, one after the other, and then these little dinky tamales wrapped in corn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know those. Yeah. But they were small. The hot dogs were small, but they were just they're steamed buns. I mean, I, I'm starting to slobber right now. Oh, no, man. I, but this I, all goes back to me becoming a writer, okay? So I wanted to be when we had books everywhere. Um, I wanted to express myself. I saw the power of words because of the books that I read, even as a little mm-hmm. kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw the power of art, too, but I thought, oh, my God, you know, I can't do that. I'd see Robert Louis Stevenson's uh, books illustrated by Andrew Wyeth, yeah. you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, stay away from this, Ricky. There's no way you ever get in that field. But words started to become fascinating to me, and uh, I went to, uh, you know, I got a, f- a football scholarship, and I went to Northwestern. I was an English literature major, and there were kids, you know, brilliant kids in these classes, and a lot mm-hmm. of them would say to me, you know, oh, man, I'm going to write my novel as soon as I'm out of here. And they had all this confidence yeah. in the world. I had none. Yeah. But I thought, if I'm going to do any of this, I want to make money. I want it to be a profession. So I came to this idea. I'd read Sports Illustrated forever, and so I knew the different sections of the magazine, and I thought the only thing I have to sell to anybody, I never applied for a job or anything. I knew I'd never get hired. I couldn't type, couldn't do any of those things. If I found a niche, something that I had that was personal that nobody else had. Your own journey. Exactly. And every I tell these kids, I've taught at Northwestern, I've, I do seminars, and I tell the kids, you all are unique. I don't think kid, people realize that. I they tell say, young artists that they have the one thing that nobody else on the planet has, which is their own journey. That's it. I their mean, own history, Max their own biography. Is, you know, I, I've loved watching Max develop. You oh, know, thank I, you, sir. Yeah. Remember you as a, <laughs> a kid? You. This is so cool you're doing this, father and son. Yeah. I actually did it for a while with my son, Zach, and we called it father and son. It was all about sports, but then he went off. He's down in Texas, and uh-huh. it became too difficult. He was worried about saying something that might hurt his career. 
Right. You know, uh, so I said, <laughs> I, I, I've already alienated Tony, the you whole don't, fucking you don't world. Give a damn. I, don't, I don't give a flying fuck. Yeah, well, I don't. You know. it, that, that's a fact. So yeah. that's a nice freeing thing. You know, at a certain point, you just got to decide, I'm just not going to have an owner, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do whatever. Well, they... that was very inspiring to me. You know, when our friendship started when I wrote that piece about you for Chicago Magazine. Chicago Magazine, Magazine 1986. Yeah. I mean, because wow. I, I was doing freelance stuff. Yeah. And Chris Newman, we talked about this yeah, before, a wonderful Chris editor Newman. there, yeah. Yeah. a woman named Chris, not you know, not a guy. And she said to me, uh, I think I'd call up, or maybe she called me. I, I'd done some freelance stuff. And she said, you know, there's this guy. And I, and I was telling you earlier, I'm trying to describe how she sold me on it. It was mm-hmm. not hard at all. She said, this guy is one of a kind. And there's this thing called the Poetry Slam. It's almost like a, a boxing match, only with words. And it's at the Green Mill. You know, and I kind of knew where that area was. You know, it's near the, not far from the Aragon yeah. and whatever. Yeah. And I said, okay. Broadway and Lawrence, man. Yeah. yeah. What's this dude all about? So, well, he used to be a bartender. You know, he was a boxer. He was, you know, he's painting. He's doing this, that. And he said, it's just a great, great character. I said, well, I'm in. And that was it. So I hung out with you. I watched you. I wish I'd watched you paint. I actually went to a, you may not remember this, an AA meeting with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Behind your studio, what, Villa Park? Yeah. You're right on uh, Villa Avenue and right through the back door. Was they the should have had an anti-smoking society there because I'm telling you, I went in there, I felt like I'd been pickled oh, man. Or, or smoked. And you know what? And you know what? The, <laughs> the, the thing that was most threatening to my health was always the cigarettes. Yeah. And I finally yeah. got rid of them. Yeah. Did you ever um, smoke, Max? Uh, I n- not cigarettes. I I actually I smoked a full cigarette for the first time about a year ago for a music video just to act, and I was really pissed off that I had to do it. And I was even more pissed when the video didn't get picked up by the band. So um, I essentially did it for no reason. Did it make you but, sick? Um, yeah, it, uh, yeah. It, it often does. There'll be t- there'll be times when um an unknown cigarette is going around, and maybe I'll indulge in that and. It, they'll be like, oh, it's it has tobacco in it, and I <laughs> often get nauseous from it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I I don't know. He I prefers no names. I kind of I kind of lucked out there. I have a question about the Aragon uh, event. I was talking to your good friend Peter Nelson, mm-hmm. who's the father of my best friend Tad Nelson and Mitz Nelson for that matter. Uh, but he was talking about this event. Did you, Dad? Did you market this event as a sporting event? Which the the uh, the, the poetry, poetry slam? slam? Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, it, it very much kind of got framed like that yeah. because it was like a boxing match. Well, it was with, competition. With, you yeah. started yeah. and oh, people yeah, got yeah, people, yeah, people got uh, eliminated. People, you know. Yeah. And I got to tell you, man, people took it really seriously. I mean, the the night that I lost, which is what he wrote about. Yeah. Uh, I was not fucking happy. Was I, that the finals? I, I, yeah, it was yeah. the finals. Tell them yeah. who you lost to. I lost to well. By, he described her. Well, I'll just say this ninety-pound black chick. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> half she a third of Tony's size. Oh, right. she was, and she was a marvelous uh, writer. And and right, she went by the name Terry Davis back then. That was her name, and then she changed her name to Inca Halasade. And um, she, you know, she wrote about all kinds of stuff and. Uh, uh, she was very, very compelling reader, you know, and mm-hmm. very, very smart. And um, yeah, the performance is what. Uh, I absolutely, mean, and, and yeah. I got. Uh, I didn't lose by much. I mean, it went all the way down to the, the last two poems, and right. um, and I, 
I lost, and I, it was weird because I, I really liked Inca, and I was happy for her, but uh, I, I didn't want to hang around. I've, I've just never been a good loser, you know? No, um, no, I don't, no. Yeah. I think it runs know. in the family. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't relish yeah. it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think but, I cut out right away, right? Yeah, yes, you did. Yeah. You wanted to leave right away. You were very gracious to her and everything else, and she did have a style. You guys are very different, but when you do the slam, you look at the person, you listen to their voice. Yeah. The words are important, but it's not its not written, it's spoken. So, I mean, Tony, you were there, and this elimination, this pyramid, you know, like this brackets, and people are sent off, you know, sobbing into the street. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. no, it yeah. sounds and, and, you know, the casual brutality of it is like, it, it, back then especially, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, and the great Mark Smith runs the Uptown yes. Poetry yeah. Slam, and he's a... A great guy. I mean, he's the guy who invented the poetry slam. Yeah, they're in every city in the world now. But he's right. he's Man, the if originator. If he could have copyrighted that somehow, or if he had a nickel for every one, you oh, know, yeah. he'd be a very he did wealthy man. I remember going there. He wore a beret, right? I'm pretty sure he did. No, he wore uh, was... he he wore some kind of weird hat. I yeah. remember that. It wasn't a beret though. Cause okay, he... but he he was the force behind it. And I yeah, thought this he was a construction worker at one time and a, and wow, a contractor, man. you know, and, uh, and maybe one of the best read human beings you've ever met and, mm-hmm. and just loved words. And man, he built a community here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was very good for me. I, I'd yeah. never read my poems publicly ever before. Were they well received uh, yeah. immediately, or d- was it something you had to work on? Did you need to work on your stage presence? You know, uh, your voice. No, or I mean, anything, or? Mark came up to me and said, "I'm starting this uptown poetry slam thing, and I know you got a book coming out, The Neighborhood. You know, my yeah. first book." And uh, I, I, you know, I wish I would have thought about it more than that. I didn't. I just got mm-hmm. up and I read them, and then. And then eventually I, I figured out uh, the kind of inherent rhythm of each poem mm-hmm. because I'd, I'd always just written them down for the page, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I hadn't thought about performing them. And yeah. then And then I got a little more canny about that. But it was it was a great place to go because I met lots of other artists. I met lots of other writers. It's cool. And it's like, wow, I actually am part of a community. I didn't know that I was until then. I felt uh, myself like I was taking a peek into a uh, uh, a segment of society that I didn't know anything about. And, yeah. you know, listen, maybe you won, maybe you didn't win. Nobody knows, nobody remembers, nobody cares who won or lost. There was no, like, $1,000 prize or anything like that. No, it you was, won 10 bucks. Yeah, it was performing. It was yeah, prize. And right? some, yeah. pe- some, some poems by some people were mesmerizing. You remember how everybody snapped their fingers instead yeah. of clapping? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, yeah, that's a that, that's a well. that's a throwback to the beatnik thing. That's right, you know, that, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, the slam really hipsters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the slam really kind of had its, its origin in the coffee house yeah. culture sure. of like the fifties. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there no used question. to be these places where people got together for the word, and mm-hmm. I I was so attracted to that idea, yeah. and then. You know, I became very close friends with Mark and with Dave Gemelo, who uh, owns the mill. And I'm a jazz nut, so Mm -hmm. I loved going there to see jazz anyway. I haven't um, been there in a long time. Is it still the same? Best jazz room in America. It hasn't changed, though, right? No, no. That's great, man. 
I saw no, that the... No, you uh, practically got to join the band to take a piss still. You know, you got <laughs> to go right up next to the stage to I go to I have to the confess, I've yet to go in there. Oh, I pass it by all the time, yeah. but, you know... Uh, there's a gentleman. There's a gentleman who plays jazz organ every Friday night, and our friend John Soss goes to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm the name is escaping me right now because I have a 59 year old uh, memory. Try 69. Yeah, you won't remember <laughs> your own name. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, go to the mill. I mean, the mill. No, is yeah, one I'll make it. I'll make it a goal this summer to stop in. Son, it's one of those treasures of the city, and and That's, to be able to do the slam there. Mm-hmm. I think that atmosphere had everything to do with uh, the Uptown Poetry Slam succeeding. That and Mark Smith. Sure. And, he, you know, again, there's always one person who makes something take that jump into becoming successful. Absolutely, man. And that was the He's first the in guy. the country. It might have started in San Francisco or New York, you, you know, Greenwich Village. You might have expected that. Started here in Chicago. And so, anyway, Max, way before you were born. Sure, yeah. <laughs> this is when, uh, you know, when I met Tony. And we would just see each other periodically and I would see his poems and he'd get stuff written up in the paper and you know uh, his his paintings don't translate well to really crappy reproduction yeah because of detail but <laughs> right, still yeah. they were unique and uh, I would see that I'd run into him at sporting events and do things like that and uh, then like six months later we both wound up working for the loop that's right how about that? Which is the weirdest thing you in the world. You worked for the loop. I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy DeCastro. It was me. Uh, we have <laughs> mentioned him on the podcast Max, Max, before. Max, Jimmy DeCastro said to me when he well, walked the, into the East Bank. We, we, t- we talked about this on uh, one of the podcasts. It was like right after. He comes in. He goes, oh, Tony Fitzgerald. This is the guy. And he's talking so <laughs> fast to the point where we can't correct him on the Fitzgerald thing. I, I just but don't bother he to. Was him, such a, he was such a nice guy and good guy and brought this great energy to, to our table. And he was just like... You're a son? I was like, yeah. He goes, the new model. Faster, better. I swear, Tony. And then he just taps him on <laughs> yeah, the shoulder and walks like, up. And then it's it's I just look at him and go, who the fuck was that? No. I was like, he's a nice guy. Jimmy DeCastro was yeah. a guy who can follow you in a revolving door and come out ahead of you, man. That was the, perfect, <laughs> that was the perfect description. He's yeah. quick. He yeah. was a salesman par excellence. That's what yeah. he did. He, he and um, uh, Larry Wirt. Yeah. And these guys could party like no humans ever. And that's when radio was getting gigantic. And all of a sudden, here's, you know. Especially the loop. And from yeah, what, yeah, what I know, Steve we, Dahl, we the loop there. was yeah. the big party, ra- yes. the bad boy radio station. Yeah. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. Awesome. You, you could do anything except <laughs> swear. And Steve Dahl, <laughs> and You know what? We got away with a lot of swearing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, Just yeah, crappy uh, things. Yeah, Reviews was on their show, on Brand Meyer's show, that's on right. Kevin Matthews' show. So. Uh, between your column and, and driving reviews, I, I kind of became yeah. well known rather quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rick, did you cover the Bears a lot when you were on the loop? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I was. Um, I started the Sun Times in 1995. One of the reasons okay. I really like being at Sports Illustrated, but uh, you know, it was kind of like get to stay home a little bit more. Yeah. I travel yeah. a little bunch, right. but. The Bears were about the main thing that you, you know, you cannot slough off of the Bears. So right. for years and years, I went to every game home and away. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, uh, well, I happened to be at the Super Bowl in 1985 down in uh, New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, I hung, right. yeah. hung out with Gary Fensick before. I met some really nice friends, guys uh, that he knew. Uh, and then afterwards, partying with <laughs> the Bears who just annihilated the Patriots. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the Bears are the big deal. So I pretty much just 
yeah. immerse myself in Beardom. Well, you're in that you're, documentary, and you were just you're at the 30 for 30. And oh, I believe yeah, there's another one out one. there that just came out. But, I mean, you do a really great job of facilitating the history of how this team came about, man. And it was so funny because I had met you before, <laughs> and all I knew, I, you, you said you knew Peter Nelson. And I was like, oh, man, this is a great guy. This is a cool guy. Just a dude from and, the neighborhood. Yeah, and, you're yeah. Doing our, and then I'm watching this documentary, and your mug is just popping up in my face. I'm like, wow. I know, this guy. Oh, my People God. People say to me, yeah. I yeah. saw you. I saw you. And I was like, yeah. Yes, it's me. I'm not. <laughs> I'm still just a guy from the neighborhood. Every now and then, exactly. a camera. Yeah. But here's what they do, Max. Yeah, these guys who make these documentaries, they're looking for people who remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, swear yeah, to yeah. God, a lot of guys are dead. Uh, you know, Bill. They could have gotten Bill Gleason or Bill Joust. Yeah, uh, you know, they passed away. You were you were on the show with both of those guys, yeah, Gleason, Joust, and uh, Benny and Bentley. Ben Bentley. Ben Bentley. Oh. And in this corner, <laughs> in, in the white corner. trunks, yeah, with the star of David on yeah. the right pant leg, that was the Mahler. <laughs> I just want to get some chicken Vesuvio and be done with this, you know? <laughs> we would be doing the sports guys on TV, you know, and it's it was an hour long. Oh, you guys long. were smoking cigars. It was four guys yeah. around a table. Talk about secondhand smoke, Max. Around sure, a yeah. table oh, smaller than this. It. Yeah. And they're smoking cigars and just... Uh, we did that in the morning. Yeah, I, w- I would literally... Four guys bullshitting about sports and, and like... I would uh, get sick from that cigar smoke, I love Joust. I thought Joust was a great guys, conscience. You know? you know, you talk about not pulling punches and talking and being yeah. yourself. That's what they were. Gleason didn't give a shit about anybody or anything, yeah. what they thought of him. He would come to games and he'd bring his own sandwich. He'd be sitting at the press table and then he would have a tube sock. And out of that, he would pull a Meisterbrau beer. So he'd have it inside there. Take an opener, open it, and drink this beer. Now, you weren't supposed to do any of this stuff. Nobody said, no, don't do it. And he didn't care what anybody thought. Yeah. Joust was the same way. Joust was a fanatic about being a guy, you know, a neighborhood guy, never being too big for your boots, your britches, anything. I, I rode in his car one time, and there was a banana peel that had petrified. It was on, like, the the, uh, the dash, kind of. And I, you know, I said, Bill, you know, he said, oh, yeah. I said, what kind of car is this? He said, I don't know. He had no idea what kind of car he drove. <laughs> he said, it's, it's blue, I think. And it was really dark blue. But he um, he and, and Gleason would play tennis. And uh, Gleason, Joust is left-handed, was. God bless him, passed away. And G, uh, Gleason was right-handed. So they would, they had the same size shoes. So they would switch their, you know, one shoe for the other one every now and then because the, the toe would wear out. <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah, it was so cool. And uh, Gleason would sit there. He'd wear, uh, he'd shave his head every, like, spring. I said, Bill, what? you look like you got cancer. What are you doing? He said, no, Talender, every spring I cut my hair so it can lie fallow. So you can what? Lie, you know, like cornfield. What, you grew up in a fucking farm or something? <laughs> hey, Talk to him about it. It didn't matter what. Uh, I came in one time. I'd been sick. I had stomach surgery because I had his. My appendix was all messed up. It blew up. Oh so I, man! I, yeah, it was bad. And you I had came peritonitis? In, huh? You no, no. But it was. I was on. I didn't eat for two and a half weeks, and it ended up. They what they call it? I I can't think. They you know uh, diverticulitis. Oh, diverticulitis. Yeah, it was nasty. It's about thirty years ago. So I come back and I'm skinny as a rail. I haven't eaten for two and a half weeks, and I come in and Gleason is sitting there, and he stands up. He's got his newspapers in front of him at that table, and he walks up to me and he just gives me a big kiss on the forehead. It's this Irish kiss, and he goes back and sits down. I mean, it's like 
incredible. Like, because they was worried. You know, I was worried about you, Tellender. <laughs> That's a good imitation. Oh, I could do a good. I can do a really good one. And I said, Ben Bentley, you were the ring announcer at the old stadium, and you were in Rocky Marciano's. Uh, he was his manager or PR yeah, guy or something. Yeah, he was his PR said, guy. And you did the things... He was a PR guy for Sugar Ray Robinson, too. That's for it. everybody, sure. yeah. He loved Ray. He called yeah. him Ray. Loved, loved him to death. I said, did you ever do those things where the microphone came down from the ceiling? Way, Absolutely. Way? He said, yes, I did. And I said, what would you say? And I'd say, here in this corner, fighting out of the club, you know, if it was an amateur yeah, thing. Yeah. And it was, I just loved to hear it. It was like a foghorn that had been kind of uh, words have been applied. It was if you couldn't duplicate that West Side Chicago oh, yeah. boxing accent, if oh, you yeah. want to call it that. Yeah, you'd yeah. see him at, at the uh, Golden Gloves every single oh, year. He was always see, there. Now, you brought a Peter Nelson, Max, right? yeah, a buddy of, of mine, oh, forever yeah. and ever. He was a plumber. Anyway, we used to, I would call it Ben Bentley. He worked for the Park District. Uh-huh. And I'd say, uh, Mr. Bentley, my name's Rick Tellender, and I'm doing a freelance piece on. Uh, Roughhouse Tom Fisher, who <laughs> is like a boxer. Okay. okay, a real guy, real dude. And he said he's fighting at the Aragon on his card on uh, Friday night. Uh, do you think you could get me a press fest? Sure, sure. Yeah, you need another one? I say. Well, he was in charge of the all of the athletics. Yeah, every, the city. every event yeah, in the yeah, city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, you need another one? I said, yeah, well, this assistant of mine, Peter Nelson. <laughs> Would want to come along too. So then we would stop at a liquor store because we had no money. Yeah. And we would each buy a pint, half pint of Old Crow, or maybe I would just buy it, Old Crow or something, <laughs> whatever's worse than that. Put it right. in our sock because they might frisk you, but they didn't care. Yeah. We're sitting in the front row. This is when Petey was drinking. Okay. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. God bless everybody that's gone on the wagon. I, you know, I saw an AA meeting the other day. It says church a block from my house. Yeah. The big sign. Mm-hmm. Well, I was tempted to walk in. But anyway, no, I'm not going to. Uh, so I went home and made myself a gin and tonic. Good man. Okay. It was a hot day. So anyway, we would sit there. He'd buy a Coke. Or I'd buy a Coke, whatever, because we could afford it. And we'd just pour these half pints in there. Watch these guys <laughs> fight. Blood spattering, you know, uh, sweat, everything. And... Like young Joe Lewis, we saw guys fight. Oh, I remember young Joe Lewis. He became a state cop. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. He was built like, like Hercules. Oh yeah. And my buddy, another buddy, Arnie Palder, went with us. Would go with me sometimes. And he saw young Joe Lewis jump over the over the rope into the ring. Yeah. And he said, "Oh my God!" And young Joe got pounded. By some guy, you know, boxing, as you know, is not about what you look like. It's not about how, no, 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 how no, no, cut no, you are. Absolutely, none of that, none of that. And uh, young Joe became old Joe that night. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's a it's a really unforgiving profession. No, it's from what I understand, you know, it's about how hungry you are, right? It's, oh, it's you know, really our, our mutual friend John yeah, Chulian, I, um, mm-hmm. who who by the way wrote the greatest book about boxing ever written, uh, writers, fighters, and other sweet scientists. Yes. Um, you know, he, he, uh, was a really canny assessor of, of, of talent. Yeah. And, um, when he looked at, uh, the Hearns and Hagler fight, you know, um, mm-hmm. he, he said, he goes, I'm, I'm glad it only went three rounds. Yes. He goes, cause I thought one of those men is going to die. Yeah. And it wouldn't matter which one. Yeah. They both would. Uh, what a great fight. You know, I saw Marvin Hagler after he lost to uh, Sugar Ray uh, 
He got screwed. He, he did get he screwed. Got fucked. And he was so he got royally upset fucked. about it. He moved to Italy. So I was over hey, you there. You know what? He lives in Italy and he's doing great. Yeah. He loves he, he it. He was doing movies. But I went to, uh, I happened to be there for he's the got World a Cup villa, of Soccer. Man. He's got a villain. He's got all this oh, They money. love him there. Yeah. I was there for the World Cup of Soccer in 1990, and Sports Illustrated said, hey, why don't you go see if you can find Marvin Hagler? Because there's time up between the games, you know, and it's weekly. Well, call Goodyear Pat Petronelli. They'll, you know, they're yeah. still in real good terms with him. Yeah, well, I mean, I got him, and we talked, and, uh, you know, bringing up that fight to him, yeah. you know, it, that's where judging something becomes really unfair in a way, especially, as you said, somebody whose heart is on the line. This is his heart yeah. and soul, yeah. and there was nothing he could do. And well, the Leonard thing would is, hit is with what, punches what, and, what Leonard did, and, and it was fairly was brilliant, brilliant, is after every round, walk back to his corner with his hands up like he was winning. We'd also tap him, hit him four or five times that didn't do anything. They exactly. weren't talking about power exactly. punches yeah, back but, then. Horseshit. They were feather jabs. And, and the, the fucked up thing is Goody and Pat decided, well, we're going to try to outfox Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, we're going to have Marvin, you know, the best natural right-handed fighter on the fucking planet at the moment, mm -hmm. go out there and fight left-handed for the first five rounds. What the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, just let Marvin eat him alive. Yeah, well, you know, you know that's where little uh, strategies can make all the difference in the world. Amen. And that applies to, you know, everything I saw in you sports. You know, Tommy Hearns, Tommy mm -hmm. Hearns, nobody ever worked harder in the gym than Tommy Hearns. No. He's one of Manny Stewart's guys. You know, he worked like a goddamn sled dog. But I'm telling you something. Guys were always able to get Tommy to fight their fight instead of Tommy's fight. Mm -hmm. Tommy had arms that reached across the room. He was so room. tall and skinny. Exactly. What he should have done is laid back, stayed up on his toes, and, th and just threw long-distance jabs. Man, I saw Lennox Lewis, who had arms to his knees. Yeah. Uh, he did that to uh, Mike Tyson. Yeah, exactly. When he jabbed, just jabbed him and jabbed him into virtual unconsciousness. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? You know what? Years earlier, Tony Tucker damn near figured out how to beat Tyson because mm -hmm. he was using uh, his his reach. And I thought, you know, if it ever if he ever runs into a guy who's got a lot of reach and a little bit of patience, and a guy can live through the first two rounds, yeah, you got it. Yeah, it's a big if. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, it's a huge if. I mean, you got to have enough firepower with your jab to keep the guy away. Who was Tyson's downfall, Buster? Buster Douglas. Douglas okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, in Japan, now he came back from that, and then. His real downfall was against, uh, uh, what's his name, he bit his ear. Uh, oh, uh, Vander Holyfield. Holyfield. Yeah, Vander yeah. Holyfield. I was at that fight in Vegas, and Holyfield's like taking a glove and hitting his ear and dancing around, and we're thinking there's like blood spraying. I thought there were bees or wasps stinging him. We didn't know what had happened. Wow. They had no idea what had happened. And then so he Tyson, saw Tyson spit his fucking yeah, ear he, oh. Nobody saw that. Now, a ring kid said, I saw the... the because it was the tip of his ear. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he actually. He, he well, said he found no, it. Now look, the, all the rounds leading, all the rounds leading Jeez. up to that, every time they'd go into a crouch, Vander'd fucking headbutt him. Sure. You know, he, well, he fought dirty. Yeah. He'd use his laces. Hey. You know. Yeah. And finally, Mike just fucking had it. You well, know. Yes, um, he did. I mean, when you're fighting out there and you're trying to kill somebody, and, and there's certain rules that you can't use. You can't kick somebody, you yeah. can't knee them, you can't choke them. Yeah. I mean, you'd be tempted if you'd ever done those things. This is a fight for my life. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. But that, and then uh, to see Tyson. Well, Holyfield always thanking the Lord and shit like that. He's oh, the dirtiest fucking fighter that ever lived. Yeah, well, the Lord you know? was dirty too, wasn't he? 
Threw those guys out of the temple, didn't he? <laughs> you know, tipped over those tables. I, I often have fantasies <laughs> about throwing, you know, art dealers out of the temple. You know, but yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I. Did Jesus ever get in a fight? I, Who, who's a, a he Bible? Was a turn, I, I'm, you know, you know you're you, talking to the yeah, wrong two the guys. Wrong guys yeah. But yeah, I, oh, you, I know, I heathens, know he gets man. confrontational. Yeah. But that's uh, he's he's not a turn the other cheek. He's a turn the other cheek guy. Yeah, but he know? did a lot of stuff, man. Try walking on water. <laughs> yeah, and water the into wine. Got me and the wine, kid. you know, oh, the wine. I didn't drink wine. Jesus is like, oh, I'm not letting this party stop. <laughs> and it was the best. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the whole thing. The wedding of Cana, they, they drink the, uh, you know, the kind of shitty wine to start, and then yeah. at the end, one of the people there says, "And thou savest the best for last." They must have been absolutely blasted, and they're coming out exactly. with uh, Bordeaux <laughs> and. Uh, it's like it's like all know. the all the all, uh, you know all the um, lightweights have passed out. Let's drink the good shit. <laughs> <laughs> but then the fishes and the loaves, too. I always thought, because I was hungry. That's going to be the name of my biography, autobiography. Right. Hungry. And it just means literally hungry, because I was starving my whole life. Honestly, God, we didn't eat enough as a kid. I was always freaking hungry. So when he made more loaves of bread, and I'm thinking, that smell from a bakery? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my then, mother made bread every single oh, day. Oh, God, what a smell. Yeah. Might be the greatest smell in the world. And oh, man. The fish has kind of turned me off because I'm thinking, is this going to be like, you know, breaded fish sticks? From- How long has that chip been laying out is what I'm thinking. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so you guys didn't even do the, the Catholic Friday meal, the, the eating fish sticks? Oh, or, no, I did when I was a you kid. He you went know. through he all that you, and yeah. he spared me of everything. Thank and, God. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I was I've a never card, had to do I was that. A, you got a carrying <laughs> atheist by the time You got a I chance kids, to, to make you know? it okay then, Max. Yeah, yeah. Not much good <laughs> right, came out right. of that for I me. Believe, I believe what Crazy Horse believed. I believe in the great mystery. It's okay. like, I believe if there's some higher power that guides over everything, I'm not meant to understand it. Yeah. And hey, I'm fine with just saying, I don't know. Yeah. You know? What's wrong yeah. with that? I used to identify as an atheist, but then those assholes turned it into a fucking fundamentalist yeah. religion. Yeah they, yeah, they really did. Yeah, they began to annoy the well, shit out of me. calling yourself an atheist means you believe in something. So what you need <laughs> is something I don't believe, or I don't, here's mine. I don't, I don't know. Agnostic you know, is the perfect I don't care. description. I really yeah. don't care. If there's a God, that's great. If there isn't, that's cool. If one of these religions is right, that's fine. But I, sorry, I, you, I'm not listening to you. You don't exactly. know. Don't so here we go, dude. And I'm not get, buying any. That's like uh, H, uh, Mencken said, H.L. Uh, Mencken. I love had, Henry it, Louis maybe. Mencken. <laughs> Yes. We said, you know, he didn't believe in God or whatever. And oh, no, he was it, it, renowned. Yeah. yeah. And they said, somebody said to him, what if you get, you die, you get to the pearly gates and there's God and he's looking at you. What are you going to say to all the people that you said this other well, stuff? Well, isn't St. Peter like the doorman? Yeah, St. Peter. But God's yeah. right behind him kind of. Okay. You know, he's hanging there. Uh, take it frisking people. But Pete's got the velvet rope. I mean, he's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's the bouncer. Yeah. Pete's about, goes about exactly. 6'8", 275. Exactly. He sits exactly. there, does you curls know, all day long. He's a Jumbo <laughs> Cummings kind of doorman, you know? <laughs> okay, so this is what he says. God is there, St. Peter's there, and he, he says, well, I turned to everybody and said, gentlemen, I was wrong. <laughs> okay, so there you go. That's me. If, it's, if God's there and he says, you know, Rick, you were such a jerk. For not believing me and going to church and eating, you know, stopping, starting to eat meat on Friday, doing all this other stuff. And I said, you know, God, I'm really sorry. 
<laughs> what else can I do? I would I would say, well, why did you let so <laughs> many people starve? Why did you, why yeah, did no, you well, kill so many people in wars? Why did you let Donald Trump yeah. get elected? That, that's that's, that's where God hits the, the button and then you, yeah. the trap doors Next caller? Exactly. feet go down and it starts yeah. to get a little warmer and warmer. No there. sunscreen for you. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the Grand Inquisitor in uh, the section in the Brothers Karamazovs where Dostoevsky, it's actually been printed into a almost like a pamphlet mm-hmm. where he goes through that and analyzes that, which is everybody's question. Why did you let this child die? Why did these innocent people suffer? Why, why, yeah. why? So uh, I'm not going to trust Fyodor Dostoevsky, but this has been a question people have asked for a long time. Precisely. At any rate, if, we, you know, we've taken a very existential well, turn right, here. This is right back to writing, though, Tony. I like it. Uh, I'm reading right now, rereading with my son, mm-hmm. Zach, just like you could with your son, Matt. How old is your son? He's 27. Oh, sh- yeah, he's a year 26. older than me. I know. Right on, yeah. I know. He just turned 27. So awesome. we could have fathers and sons. Anyway, oh, let's I, do it. I let's love do it. We should talking. have a four way podcast sometime. How nuts <laughs> would that be? You know? That'd be fun. The more, gets a Fitz, I learned more from the kids. Fitzgeralds. The Fitzgeralds. Thank you, Jimmy DeCastro. <laughs> I learned more from my kids. Yeah. Than they ever learned from me. Yeah, Wordsworth had that saying: "The child is father to the man." You yeah. know, and I love, love, love having kids. They, they, you know, it's trouble when they're best young. Thing I ever they did, grow up man. to be your best friends, and yeah. if you're lucky, yeah. And yeah. when they do, yeah. there's nothing better, man. You made, you created your best friend. How weird is that? <laughs> you know, and you factored you, into you that, Tony. Lo- yeah, you learn so much from them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I. Uh, it's weird. I mean, I didn't get married till I was thirty-three, so I didn't. I yeah. didn't know if it was going to happen, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was thirty. Yeah, it was marvelous. Thirty-two. You know? Yeah, I'm yeah. glad I didn't get married in my twenties. Oh God, you'd just be divorced. You know that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, you know, my pal Steve Earle has been married seven times. Yeah, <laughs> I like those old school guys. You know, like uh, Eddie Fisher or whoever, or uh, Elizabeth Taylor. They get married like seven, eight times. I think. Listen, if you want to have sex, you don't have to get married. Yeah, exactly. You know? Mickey Rooney married why like don't 50. You, why don't you go steady? You know, I mean, you know go to the yeah. malt shop and then go to a motel. I mean, come on. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get that whole no, thing. No, alimony seven times. Oh, my yeah. God. So, I have some friends who are married in their twenties, so I have to stay silent. I gotta, you know, I gotta, yeah. I gotta support. Well, I, I hope that yeah. hope it yeah. works out. But. Oh, oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, just keep a couch, it is it is an early a, age. I would keep say. a couch yeah. empty for them. Yeah. So Max, I'm, I'm curious. I get to ask is what what is big two fisted Tony meant to you? Watching him adapt oh, and become who he is. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's always been the artist that he is. You know, to me, he's always walked in with his artwork, and I, you know, ever since I was a kid, he'd be etching or drawing or doing something, and then, you know, the whole writing and acting thing came. I mean, it was always there, but it was sort of introduced to me at a little later of an age of like six or seven, and then. I always just was really admired, you know, by the guy. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, he always, you know, gives you pointers on what to do. He always makes you think you're doing the right thing, even if you think, man, I'm really fucking up, man. Or, or, or maybe, I remember, uh, I always tried to assure you that your teachers were, in fact, assholes. You were, no, no, I, but not, but you also, you also, um, you also (coughs) made me. understand that you have to give your teachers a chance and you have to at least listen to them and hear them yeah. out before all that mm-hmm. but i remember i think that de- i think the best thing uh one of like the things that define my dad is i was recently just thinking of this 
we were having a Thanksgiving, and I won't name the guy who was over at Thanksgiving. I, I, you know, I, I love the guy, but he, you know, he pulled me aside. And he was this was when I was a film student. It was my second year, and I was still nervous as all hell of what I was going to become after college. I think that's kind of your mind state during those years, even though you're having the time for your life, you still know that there's this next part of your life that's around the corner. Yep. He told me, he goes, yeah, I heard you're studying film at Columbia. I go, yeah, and I had this big smile on my face. He goes, why? He goes, there's no jobs out there. He goes, all these teachers at your school are telling me all these kids are wasting their money at you know, Columbia, and they, they just don't know what they're getting into. And I just kind of like- Who the fuck said that to you? That's ridiculous. I just kind of stood there, and I, I was like, oh, uh huh. And I just had to kind of <laughs> laugh at I like, what do you say to that? And it, you know, the Max, the night so ended. Work but in Chicago no, but, 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 now. but it's like but crazy. That, that's not the point. The point is, I went up to you and I said, "Dude, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing right now." I go, "I think I'm, I think I'm like wasting money and and possibly time at at, at film school." I go, "This guy just told me everything. There's no jobs. There's no nothing. It's like, what am I gonna do?" And he just assured me, he's like, nice. He goes, you've done nothing wrong. He goes, what What have you done that's wrong? He goes, you're trying. You're going for what you want. He goes, you're going for what you believe. He goes, fuck that guy. And he, <laughs> said, his, he said his name, but that it was like one to, of those things. It yeah. was like, son, if I had time to sit down and think of the statistics or the, the probability of what it took to get me here he goes i wouldn't be here right and that's absolutely the that's, best lesson one of the best I, lessons I, i've taken i never like when uh when people uh talk to young artists and no matter what the discipline is and kind of dr- drag their own defeatism into the conversation sure. it's like hey you know what fuck you yeah, yeah. you know it's but like, I, that is Max, you know, that that strikes me that there are moments in our lives, all of them, where you might not mean anything to anybody else and nobody else notices, but you'll never forget it. You'll never yeah. forget that moment because it's a totally. seminal moment into how you then look at the future. And people who are negative about those things, you don't want to be this wildly, crazily optimistic person. Oh, hey, I'm going to be Steven Spielberg in no, two years. No, not, not yeah, at all. No, but, no, you don't want to be Pollyanna. I no, mean, but, but, but by the same token, this negative thing, you can be what you want to be. Uh, yeah. You know, listen, you may not be able to, I, I tell kids, you may not be able to run the 100-yard dash against Usain Bolt. You know, that's sure. a natural ingrained skill. But you might be pretty good at something else. You might be a coach. You might be, there's all kinds of ancillary things. And yes. I, I see this like when I was writing about these kids at Orr High School on the west side. They're just surrounded by negativity. Yeah. It's everywhere. And how you get through that web, how you climb through this, swim through this just massive mess of people on the corners trying to drag you down and yeah. sirens going all the time. Yeah. You know, in a baseball practice was called off one time on a nice sunny day because the athletic director came in and said there was gunshots on Chicago Avenue. You know, that if that happened one time at Nutria High School, yeah. Stevenson, it would the be... The National Guard would be out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that's... I don't even demean those schools. That's what every school should be. Absolutely. Every kid should right. have yeah. that opportunity. And it's Absolutely. it's a pity totally. to see that they don't. It really is. And so yeah. Let's talk to I'm our proud pal. of you, Max. Let's I really talk to am. Our oh, pal thank, 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 thank you, Rick. Yeah. Thank you. That means I, a lot. I really man. am, man. I th- no, yeah. He's, he's a great kid. And, you know. The first thing I tell yeah. every young artist, and not just my own son, is uh, concentrate, work hard, and shut out the noise. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going, you should do this, you should do that. It's yeah. like, no. It's very hard these days with social media. Very, very hard um, to yeah, keep from being distracted. And I'm, I'm 
one of the worst about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, believe me, I, I, uh, I know you're checking out something right now, right? <laughs> no, no, I use, I use, uh, I use Facebook to, you know, share my work. But you it's, have to see. It's actually you how I to. sell a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, um, these things are not options anymore. I'm not on when Facebook. Somebody, when and somebody I feel gets terrible on, about it. when when somebody gets on my thread and starts constantly bringing the thing into this negative spiral, I just block them. Yeah, you know, it's well, like why not? you know. I've I've seen your whole act, and it's uh, yeah. it's just to be contrary and just to be um, to bum everyone out yeah. or to advance bigotry or stupidity or well, we had uh, prejudice for, for and, years uh, when we first ooh, went online, uh, right at Collins Tony at the Sun Times. Uh, readers could post their comments below there without. They didn't have to put their name, but there's no filter. Yeah. And so it yeah. usually took you had to learn to not read two the comments, comments before it became racist and sexist. Like absolutely. You know, tell you know, I mean I can't even tell you the things they said, and then it would immediately become racist. And we couldn't even block them. And I went to the management, I said, This is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You're giving you the same form they give us the professional writers to these idiots yeah. who are anonymous. Put, I said, put their well, face. My face is in there, and they know where I live. Put their name. Yeah. 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 It's like, it just says, uh, big yeah. big stud. You know, yeah, right yeah. When the, when the people... You know, yeah. I, every time I've ever left a comment on any story, I always sign my name. Yeah. You well, know, the brilliant thing I mean, now is it connects to your Facebook, so you're going to have to give out your identity when you release a comment. At least yeah. it works for most publications now. So, it, I mean, if you are going to say is those words— Is it just words, your handle, though, or is it actually— No, it? it's it's your actual name, and um, if people will like—at least I know ESPN does this. I know a couple other uh, papers that are on the Internet do this. I, I'll write a comment every now and then. I like to bust on this one Bulls writer. Because he always has some <laughs> historical inaccuracy about the Bulls, but so I always for correct which, it for a paper. Which yeah, guy? and which random guy? guys will like me. Nick Friedle, really? He, he's got a he's got great insight sometimes, but man, dude, he'll say some things that are just off, and I have to be like, dude, that's not true. He was you like, mean they're literally not right. No, they're yeah, not he, was, he was like say, and like they're small things, but I'm but I'm personal about oh, these no, things. He'll man. say, oh, hey, oh these hey. guys, he goes, he Hold goes, oh, to the Gasol fire, and Bellinelli were Bulls teammates in this season. I go, no, they weren't. I go, they were completely off the yeah. roster, not at the Gasol same time Gasol was gone together. before this year. No, well, Gus- Bellinelli was on the Spurs before Gasol even got to the Bulls. Yeah. There was a solid year where Gasol wasn't wow. on yeah. the Bulls. I, I I mean, that's just a small thing. There's a, there's also, I thought he did a lot, I thought he messed up a lot of the chemistry in the locker room with his articles. I thought they were kind of poisonous. But Max, uh, that's good you do yeah. that. You know, people will write in to me when I, when I use a word improperly. Yeah. Like I would say, somebody saw this and they were nauseous. And I'll get all these people, I say, it's nauseated, you idiot. Nauseous is a <laughs> noun or an adjective or whatever. Right, right, right. So they'll, yeah. they'll parse the language. Well, so. thank yeah. you for correcting me, blow me. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I a, I'm not I a big, I'm not a big okay. grammar guy, yeah. And I don't, and I actually, I, you know, when I think about it, he's, he's, he's written a lot of great stuff, so I don't completely despise the guy. I think he's an okay guy. It's just sometimes he'll write some stuff and I'm like, dude, that's <laughs> well, not Well, you're allowed true. to do that. That's, yeah, you're, that's, you, well, you're well, completely. Yeah. Every once in a while, though, the comment thing just turns into this endless stream of contrarianism, you know, yeah. and uh, and that annoys me as much as the uh, the racists and the uh, misogynists. Yeah. Well, and the, some of the ugliest stuff is in those comment sections. Man. Oh, absolutely. God, I, I was reading my, my Mike's Lemon. I was in a Mike's Lemonade commercial. Yeah. Those comments are so harsh, man. 
It's, you know it's what? so bad. I, it's, it's, they're it's hilarious. The one thing I remind if you myself. have a good sense of humor about yourself, they're hilarious. But man, it's just like Jesus. This could destroy so every someone. Every time I have an article written about me in a paper. I just make a note to myself, don't read the comments. Don't, don't read, read the, the comments, comments. yeah. Oh, no. The first few will be kind of nice, and then somebody will drop the Tony, here's how you solve right. that. You read what it used to be called paper, now it's called hard copy. There's yeah. no comments there. Just yeah. get that, oh, I, you know, shell no, out I, that 50 cents. I, well, I don't even funny, know what a paper costs. 75 cents, sir. Who has 75 cents in their pocket? I do. Oh, my ass. I bet you, three don't, have three, I bet you don't have three quarters. How much you want to bet? I'll bet you I bet you have a cents. stack of quarters in your pocket then, and it doesn't really count. No, it's not getting there yet. 35 cents in, uh, in the other pocket. Keep that oh, switchblade in there. I don't have it. No, I keep that in my boot. Okay, Hold what would we bet? 10 bucks? Yeah. Hold on one second. No, Chris, Chris, <laughs> Chris, the monitor cut out there. Are we good? Okay, cool. Okay. Just wondering. So, you know, we have to get around to talking about your first art show. Mm-hmm. Of your work at the age of sixty-nine. Yeah, I, I tell you, That's Tony, kind of amazing. I, I all thanks to you and Max and to the Adventureland Gallery, all the stuff that you've done, you've inspired me. But I want to tell you, I'm not doing. There's no false modesty. There's no, you know, I don't deserve it. I'm going full bore for this. This is literally a once in a lifetime thing. I mean, and at this no, age, I mean, I see. This I am is so your thrilled. Second act, man. I'm you know? so thrilled. Uh, yeah, man. You know, I, uh, I talked to a buddy today, and he has this old painting I did at the Victor I mean, Hotel. Hoaxer went crazy for that uh, Stratocaster. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I already, I've already got that one's already sold, believe it or not. Good. That's awesome. Good. Yeah. But, I, you know, listen, I needed inspiration, and I got it from you, and I got it from a guy named Mark McMahon, who's a, a illustrator uh, and a, from a long family of artists. They were in Lake Forest. They had like seven or eight uh-huh. brothers and sisters. And his dad, Franklin McMahon, was I know that. I a terrific know. Yeah. artist. And his stuff sells yeah. for, his dad sells for a lot of money, but he he's painted some beautiful like courtroom scenes, yeah. scenes like that before he could take photos. Yeah. And that. So Mark let me come over to his house maybe about five, six years ago and said, Rick, today we're going to paint irises. They were just blooming. Yeah. We sat out in his yard. They're hard to draw, man. Well, and he showed me, he said, yeah. no, don't lift the pencil. No. When I first came to you, you told me I sat there for, with a uh, a book, sketchbook that you gave me with a, a couple of sharp pencils and just made marks. Absolutely. For like like Absolutely. an hour. And and just you know Absolutely. how did how did the the lead work? How does the point work? How do dots? How do when you Precisely. spread things out? What is the feel you of it? You have to know what you can get out of each tool that you yeah. have. And the mark making exercise is one that I give to everybody who is. Mm-hmm. Wondering about drawing, and I give him that. I give him a figure ground exercise, and you know, I, I honestly think you can teach anybody how to draw. I think instead of looking at this object as a water bottle, you look at it as a cylinder, an oval at the top, mm-hmm. another round, kind of longish oval, a complete circle but flattened at the bottom, mm-hmm. which is almost again like an oval. If you break something down to shapes, you can draw it. Sure. That's what I And, and you know what else I found? That everything is representational. You can never have, even a photograph is not the reality. So when some great artist like Picasso or whatever goes to cubism or, the, or you know mm-hmm. these abstract paintings, well, sometimes like the woman descending the stairs, I think. By well, the, I saw the shop. Yeah. Okay. It, it's even more 
to me, in a way, evocative and realistic than if he had a real woman painted very realistically. It's about the gesture. That's the beauty of our Tony. With your stuff, you know, people can look at it. Two things I took away from from watching you actually literally paint, and that was probably the most helpful thing I ever did was sit there in your studio. Sometimes you let me do stuff on a you know a table near you, but just to watch what you chose and where you chose to put it mm-hmm. on these uh, drawings, collages, using anything mm-hmm. you want to use, any kind of design. First of all, well, composition is com- first of all know, composition. How you how you build the picture is it very has, important, in my opinion. It has to be beautiful. Every one of your paintings has a has a voice, has a statement, has something in it. But the initial thing is, it's pretty to look at. And aesthetics, well, to me, beauty kind of happens by accident. It's it does. Just, but beauty, know. everybody recognizes beauty. Babies recognize beauty. Oh, They've absolutely. shown that. Yeah. They'll absolutely. look at a pretty face more than they'll look at someone who's homely. Beauty aesthetics. Uh, to me, is something worth pursuing. And so the first thing I thought well, was, I think... if I'm going to paint something, I want it to be pretty. I want the colors to be pretty. And the second thing is, I realized no matter what you do, your style is going to come through. You can't help it unless you're one of these great imitators. It's somehow going to represent you. And I, yeah. your stuff oh, precisely. It's like a represents you. And I... I that's, don't you yeah. agree, Max? When no, you look totally, at this totally. I look at, I look at, I look at one of your pieces, and then I look at uh, the Stratocaster, and I see some similarities there. But also, it's just totally different personalities, man. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. it's like it's like everything around your piece, border-wise, are just all these things that you seem to enjoy, and it just it gives you. You can also tell a journalist that, that probably a journalist made that piece because yeah, definitely it's yeah. pretty comprehensive about. Who actually played the goddamn Stratocaster? It's yeah, like, yeah. I can see him pouring through the history of. Stratocaster. Oh, I did, well, it's, man. It's yeah. like it's like he said about the Bears documentary. They want guys who will remember. You clearly yeah. remember all this history about yes. the Stratocaster. That's what's special about it. I Everybody, mean, it, even back to Buddy Holly, who yeah. played a Strat. Um, yeah, we uh, should post that one with this podcast. Well, oh, I would, the, I would love page. that. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. If we could, Rick. Yeah. Sure. Okay, oh, cool. God, I'd love it, yeah. man. But and then, uh, you know, another thing that I want to get to before, we, before we're done is um, I really love that so many of your things are evocative of nature. Mm-hmm. Well, you I was know, a nature boy as a, a kid big, growing up in yeah. Peoria. Mm-hmm. We and you lived, go up to the UP every yes. year, right? You got a cabin right on Lake Superior that's wild and woolly, man, and it's just surrounded by a wilderness. Cause you got nobody... an indoor toilet and stuff? We do have plumbing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, but this buddy of mine, Moonshine that, Mike, that, who got his name appropriately, we have to, as I say, drop the water every fall because it freezes hard, hard, hard. I talked to him the other day, and, and he's got the water back up. And, uh, you know, certain things you got to do. You got to clean out the mice. <laughs> you've got you got to make sure flying squirrels didn't gnaw a hole in the cabin and come in, which they did one time. Get a, a get a cat. Yeah, well, what do we do in the winter? I'd, I'd, a cat would be a good thing. Bring his ass home. A wild cat. That's what we need, like a, a lynx or a puma. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, there's also porcupines wandering around and a skunk. No shit, really. Porcupine? Oh yeah, and in fact, Moonshine shot one uh, right on my land. <laughs> He's Why got, would he shoot a fucking porcupine? Well. They can be pests. I had one that was, I had another cabin. Well, what do they, walk up and fuck you woke up? Woke up in the middle Man. of the night, and it's like, and everything's shaking like that. You go outside, and this goddamn porcupine is eating the siding of the cabin. It, it, we treated it with Penta, you know, back when you could use that. And I guess he liked the salty taste. And there's tooth marks. He's going to eat the whole cabin. 
Okay. That's a okay. pest. <laughs> yeah, but do you really anyway, Moonshine shot, let me tell you, shot the porcupine. I wasn't thrilled moonshine with it. Moonshine shot the porcupine. <laughs> he carries, he drives a pickup truck. He's got a loaded uh, 22 right there, shells all over, a six-pack of beer, and uh, and he listens to polka music all the time. He's 78 years old. Wow. He's a youper, been for there forever. Everybody knows, doesn't speed. He's, he's a great guy. Anyway, I said, Jesus, Mike, why the hell did you shoot a porcupine? He said, oh, oh, hell, you don't want him around. I said, what did you do with it? And he said, I threw him back in the woods. I said, where he shot him. I said, well, would you go get it? I want it stuffed. And he said, what? I said, yeah, would you please? I said, I know that like Rick Bernier down in Watersmeet will stuff anything. And there's a couple other uh, taxidermists. So he got it. Do you got a stuffed porcupine? I have Is a stuffed porcupine. And Judy would not let me put it <laughs> downstairs in my office. It's upstairs where I paint. And I love it. And it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's uh, you don't want to touch it. No. You, you got to go the right way with the quills. You know, I use uh, some porcupine quills when I make etching sure. sometimes to make marks. You can yank out a quill straight from there, and a couple have fallen out. It's, they get thicker and thicker. They look like fur. You can imagine a wolf or a coyote, and there's wolves up there jumping on a porcupine. Boom. Oh, yeah. boy. The only thing they stick can, in them. They, they, and they have barbs because I got one a little bit in my finger, and it, yeah. just a little bit. But they have barbs going the opposite way so they don't come out. And they'll find animals that'll die, you know, maybe months or years later with all these quills in their face. Horrible way to go. And there's that little porcupine just ambling along. Yeah. The only animal that can get them, they uh, kind of reintroduce fissures, which are... A they n- flip them over on their stomach. Yes, they do. It's a nasty, out. nasty weasel. They're black. They're mean motherfuckers. Oh, and they're man. big. You and they, not... live in the, they live in the trees. Yes, they do. You know? And, but they can swim. They can run. They And you see, wow. like, this shadow. They're like... Like something out of uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, some evil. You know, the whole weasel family are mean motherfuckers. They are mean. Except th- for otters. Yeah, they're, they're playful. They're kind of sweet. But like wolverines, they they're are, a weasel family. You know, uh, a skunk is a weasel, yeah. but so's a badger. Yeah. They're just mean. If I can say this, motherfuckers, they yeah, are. Exactly. I, there's a thing called the least weasel, yeah. and they're tiny. They went into uh, one of their uh, little habitats, his little den. It's the only animal they believe that does is he had mice lined up like stacked up yeah wasn't even gonna eat them all yeah just pure savagery <laughs> minks you know evil <laughs> i want a couple least weasels i knew a guy who used to say <laughs> uh a mink is a rat if a mink could kill you and wear you it would they're mean no question. <laughs> you know a like, mink is a nasty thing man oh they're mean you know like you know a bunch great of those, coats a bunch though. of those PETA people like let a whole shitload of mink <laughs> yes kill. yes i remember that do you remember this sure and the minks rather than running for the for the woods Fucking killed each other. Yeah, I mean, just oh, they all died. Some came Manson back to their cages. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, those those people got in big trouble. I think. I think they found them. They had to pay a lot of money. Uh, yeah, but the, but the minks they were not interested in running for no, freedom. No. They're interested in killing the other minks. That, they had you know, that's a, if we had aliens invading the Earth, we would still just kill each other. It'd just be still, you know, Arabs against, uh, you know, Christians and, be, you know, Irish Catholic against the Protestants. And yeah. When the aliens left. And the aliens are just sitting like, damn, what is wrong with these people? Because yeah. <laughs> we always assume if we land on well, a why planet. Why are they taking pictures of their food all the time? What the fuck is that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's this thing with these sauces? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we don't make any sense. Uh, there was a great T-shirt by Slipknot, one of my favorite bands, and it just says, "You're kidding." No, You're, Slipknot is one of your favorite uh, bands. When I when I need to just unwind, that is great. Yeah, I mean, I haven't oh, been to a concert, God. 
But like that that dude, that guy, the main leader, Corey, Corey uh, Taylor? Uh, is it Taylor. Taylor, Corey yeah. Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, I follow him. And anyway. See the one with the weird hair? He had the mask now, with now the dreads cut. coming out of it. But it's, it's all of, they're, the they're, corn guy. Their, their music has evolved. Corn had some dread and braid stuff Ma- going Max on. Max had too, a metal period loved, for about a year. Yeah, the new metal, yeah. the you know, the the you know, Slipknot, Corn, and uh, you know, uh, Mudvayne yeah. and all that. System of a Down. System of a Down. Puddle yeah. of a Mud. Puddle, puddle of, of Mud. mud <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> they were a little. They were a little clown more. Oh, they were. I can't believe you're a metal. I'm a juggalo, man. You're a juggalo. Who's going oh, chicken wow. hunting? Louise going wow. chicken hunting. You should have came, came in your paint, man. <laughs> yeah, you should have you worn your uh, your war paint. Yeah, yeah, man. No, I got. Uh, what the hell is a juggalo? I, they're they're the, the insane follower. clown ICP, posse right? yeah. fan base. Yeah, yeah. Now they wouldn't let. They're them, not the worst. They people. canceled they're them. Actually they canceled the show. Yeah. They kind of hate Trump, though, right? Yeah, they're yeah. Well, they're, I'm okay. So with they're your enemy. You failed because your enemies. They're outsiders, man. It's you know it's. Take it for what it yeah, is. Yeah, Tony, somebody wants to work dreads, let them do it, man. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with you no, know, yeah. everybody being. You had exactly. long hair at one time. When I had hair, yes, yeah, but, I did. but you had long yeah, hair. Yeah. <laughs> you got to find out what you can do as a as a guy. You got to find out sometime. You got to yeah. at least try a mustache, a beard, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's there. I had right? a uniform. Yeah, yeah, test it I had, out. I had long hair, slicked back, black leather jacket, sure, white t-shirt, black pants. Did you, you have a Marlboros rolled up in your sleeve? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. And did you have Lucky's. a belt you could pull off with a big buckle and beat the shit out of like no, grease I balls? Had, uh, no, no, I had uh, I had other stuff for that. Okay, you know, shivs. Um, no, I had uh, knuckles. I had some knuckles, and I had uh, slingshot. I had a bike chain that was. Yeah, I did have a slingshot. How'd you know? <laughs> no, I was just. I was just. What uh, you need now is a crossbow. I was just naming like. Dennis the Menace like uh, weapons you might have. I, yeah, believe me, I I clanked when I walked. I had a, a pool cue ball inside of a leather bag. Oh Jesus wow! Christ. Yeah, you know, uh, back to Slipknot real quick. They, yes. uh, my point was they have a T-shirt that says "People" and then the equal sign. Yeah, people, people equal shit. shit. Yeah, and so I, that's kind of been my whenever my kids have a bad day, <laughs> I said as Slipknot said, kids, people and they, they kind of like it. Hey, oh, yeah. dad. That's yeah. kind of my advice. That song is insane. That was the first. Uh, that was off Iowa, the first Slipknot album I ever got, and I, I was like, <laughs> oh my god, because I convinced my mom I had this scam going. I go, look, I should be able to buy parental advisory CDs if they don't promote hatred or violence. <laughs> my mom didn't yeah. know anything about yeah. fucking Slipknot. Well, you can't I go, understand the go, words yeah. unless you... I go, this is fine. Yeah. These guys are fine. His mother would, like, lose your fucking I go, these guys mind. aren't violent you at know. all. Yeah. I'm listening to this on my Walkman. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, the people who equal shot. I'm like, my mom cannot know what is going Did on. Did you ever go yeah. to a Slipknot concert? Never, man, never. I, I was too I was too afraid. By the time I could, like, get into the age of going to concerts, like, Scott independently. Bands, uh, yeah, I liked yeah. Sky. I was, yeah. I, was very, I was a much softer person. Yeah, you you need to go, like, when you're 14, but you have to have your dad go with you, yeah. which is crazy. So right. that dad's got to be some, like, insane person. Yeah, I yeah, used to yeah. take him to... Uh, uh, Metro when they'd have the all ages show for all those ska bands. Ska, oh, yeah. What? Mustard Plug, Mighty Street Streetlight Manifesto. If you don't mind all the smoke coming out of there, it's fine. Um, I just, you know, kind of 
sat at the bar, drank a Diet Coke, read a book. You were reading a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is... I, I read a collection of some... songs by Octavio Paz. There's some bands to... that I saw back in that day that I still listen to that are long gone forgotten. But well, you, I love know that... must... you love Streetlight Manifesto and Mustard Plug. And, but we also know... saw some crazy bands. I remember- Metro um... had good bands. Yeah, yeah. They, had, they had some great shows, oh, especially that's... in those Billy days. Billy Corgan owes a great debt to uh, yeah. uh, Joe- um... Shanahan, man. Yeah, Shanahan. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I think they- totally. That was kind of where they sort of got yeah, yeah. The I mean, smashing pumpkins you know, and I or... miss the double door. I mean, double door's gone yeah. now, you know, which but that's uh, that's just one of those texts. I mean, that's an insane story, yeah. I don't even, ridiculous. I don't even understand it. It's a somebody owns a raise the rent, or I mean, what just can't they just move somewhere? They were paying 27 grand a month. Well, I mean, then you can't do why that. Why not appreciate the, the history and the the things yeah. they brought you to this neighborhood? I mean, I what, mean what they should do, what the they should do is send it's Shanahan and, uh, and Sean Mulroney a goddamn thank you note every day for making that neighborhood cool. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. You know, I mean, that's when, yeah. the, you know, the double door was one of the beachheads of this is a neighborhood for creatives. Yeah. And now we've, you know, we've been chased out of there. I remember going to the Metro a long time ago to see this band. It was up and coming. They thought they were like the next Beatles called the Red Walls. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Like and then I think them. they had, you know, their their brothers and stuff, and they had some real problems or whatever. Yeah, they had, they were the big whisper for a while, and then you just yeah. never heard no, of them. No, they, they had some issues. So, buddy, I cannot yeah. wait. For June first, Rick Tellender. What's the name of your show, sir? You know, I'm thinking it's something like long, long time coming, or long train coming, or uh, you know. Well, it op- I, opens in a week, so it would be a good idea to maybe get yeah, a name well, out there. Well, Max said he would work on that. Yeah, well, me, uh, he me, said and you my two dad, would brainstorm. Yeah, we, I okay. said we would brainstorm. I talked to him about the uh, the uh, the other stuff except the title. The title was something something I couldn't okay, figure we'll out. figure it out. Is it going to be a good one? Oh yeah, memorable. Yeah, memorable. And nothing criminal yeah. or obscene. Nothing. No. Nothing. That It'll will... definitely be poetic. I could tell It'll you that. It'll be poetic. Every, every no, title. As far hey, as you know, you know it won't be criminal or obscene. I don't care if it is either one of those <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I can't thank you enough, Tony. I can't thank Max enough. Uh, oh, we're thrilled to in. have you. Yeah. I and mean, the... this is a really exciting thing for us. It's one of the reasons we have this gallery. Mm-hmm. I mean, we look for art that uh, uh, doesn't often get a light shined yeah. on it, and you know. At the age of 69, man, this is a second act for you. This is marvelous. Very cool. Very, very cool. You know, I figure, I don't know how many years, you know, you start to think about it. I feel great right now, but you don't see a lot of 90-year-olds doing much, you know. So you can see the clock ticking. It's such a weird thing. Where did? There's more behind you than ahead of you. How in the hell did it happen? You know, you were busy. I am mind fried completely. It's like (laughs) people say, how do you feel? I feel like a teenager has been in a fight. Yeah. You know? And that's all. But I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready. Amen. Let's go. Amen. Let's do something. Damn it. All right. I'm fired up. All right, ladies Same and here, gentlemen, man. June 1st at Adventureland Gallery, 7 to 10, free beer from Forbidden Root. 1513 Northwestern. The first one-man show of Rick Tellender. You want to take us home, kid? Yeah, sure. Thank you, everybody. I felt the air rise up in me. Down clear the stone of leaves I wonder out where you can see Inside my shell I wait assembly Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning in to our 35th episode. Sponsored by Forbidden Root Beard. Next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Big shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. 
Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery and the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. Look out for Rick Tellinger at Adventureland Gallery and Heather Horton in the Dime Showroom June 1st, 7 to 10, 1513 Northwestern. Want to catch up on old episodes? Have any burning questions for Max or Tony? Then go to themaxandtonyshow.com. Tune in next time for a 36th episode. <laughs>